Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Hello and welcome to everyone joining us for this episode of Sense by Meg Forreds, brought to you by Parent Sense. I'm Bailey Georgiadis, a fellow mum, podcaster, media personality, and I'm here with your host, Meg Forer. Hi, Meg. Hello, Bailey. How are you doing? I am so good. I'm so happy to connect with you again. It's always, I love, I love our episodes, always digging deep into those really meaningful matters that mums need to hear about. And today's topic is a good one. We're going to delve into traveling with little ones. And you know, Meg, I often see this crop up on my social media of moms asking for travel tips. So it's going to be great to have this podcast link to share with them. I think after a couple of years of not going anywhere, it seems like everybody is itching to travel or they're preparing to emigrate. Traveling with little ones can be so tricky and so stressful for everybody, and I'm really keen to get this started. Before we do, I just want to remind you that this is a chance for you to ask Meg your baby and parenting questions. Know that no topic is off limits, so drop us a direct message on ParentSense, Facebook or Instagram or even in the comments. Meg is here to support you on your parenting journey, and she's promised to get through as many questions as she can in these sessions. With that said, Meg, I think we need to pack our suitcases and travel a little bit. In fact, I want to go down memory lane for you. You did some brave trip a few years ago. I know travel is very close to your heart. Yes, absolutely. So travel is very close to my heart. So when it came to COVID, I tell you, it was hugely limiting for me. And you know, when my husband and I got married, I think it was in our first wedding anniversary, we gave each other a, a book around travel. I mean, then that was the thing that we were going to go to all of these incredible destinations. And then of course, within two years, James was born, our our, our little boy. And then two years later, our little girl was born. So with a four and two year old, we had, you know, kind of embarked on small close holidays around South Africa. But my husband was coming up for a hiatus in between two jobs. And I at the time wasn't while I was working, but I was working on writing books and that sort of thing. I'd just written Baby Sense actually. And we decided that we would just take a complete break from life. We literally sold the house, put the dogs on a beautiful farm for a couple of months. And we went on a round the world trip, just the, just the four of us, the two kiddies under the age of four and Philip and I. And it was the most extraordinary trip. But I can remember people saying to me, you are traveling for three months with a two-year-old. Like, what's wrong with you? What planet do you come from? Why would you put yourself through it? But Bailey, I can honestly say that it was one of the best experiences of my life. And we learned how to travel with kids. We had a whole lot of things that we put in place to make sure that we could do the traveling fairly seamlessly. Some of it was quite rough traveling. We did some very serious rough camping in Namibia. In fact, completely in places where like 
completely off the beaten track, no running water. Wow. And then we went to New York City and then we went to the Cayman Islands. So we literally, and we went to Disney. And let me tell you something, I don't know what I'd rather have, off the beaten track in Namibia or like a beating down heat at Disney with a two-year-old. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So we did, we experienced the most amazing experiences. And this topic, like it excites you, excites me because I think that having children, often people see it as like a pause in their entire life and that it like really kind of cramps their style. They can't do anything they wanted to do. They feel kind of homebound and not able to have adventure. And every day is mundane because it can be mundane with Mm -hmm. with toddlers. But I guess part of this episode is to say to people, you must travel. You can travel. Having children is not a reason not to travel, you know, and they really enriches their lives immensely. And it also bonds you with your kids because when you're out of your normal routine and you're traveling, you just are connecting more with those people you're with because you're effectively on on holiday usually then. And so you're connecting. And so from my perspective, that's what today is all about is is sharing some ideas of, of how to make travel easy for parents because I know it can be done. Absolutely. And I think it's the best to be able to see the world through little eyes. It's experiencing things all over again. Absolutely. It's holiday season. Families are going to be taking trips locally and internationally. Let's talk about planning travel. Meg, what are your absolute top tips for traveling long distances with little ones? Yeah, so you've got really two categories of long distance and they fall into the mode of transport. So you've got a long distance car trip, you know, so from Cape Town to Plate or, you know, like a seven hour drive or maybe even a 12 hour drive that can be an absolute backbreaker with little ones. And then you've got mm. flights and particularly long haul flights, which can be very complicated. So let's break it into two pieces. Let's have a look at our car trips and then let's have a look at long distance flights. So with both of them, you are going to want to have some equipment. Some, kim, some kit that's going to make your life easier. That kit should be made up of obviously the basic necessities of how many nappies you're going to need. And you need to calculate how many nappies you're going to cha- need. And you're going to have to add an extra three nappies on top of that because there's going to be an accident for sure. It's going to have things like kind of wet wipes and sterilizing fluid and, and all of that type of thing. The amount of milk formula bottles, if you are formula feeding, and then of course the food that your baby's going to need. So that's the basics that you have to get covered. Then after that, you're going to want to have a snack trap. And this is particularly for little ones over six months old. As soon as they enter the stage of where they can actually do finger feeding or baby led weaning, a little snack trap is a little device, which is like a little bowl with a lid in it where you can only, where you can stick your hand in, take things out. But when you turn it upside down, it doesn't actually empty the snacks out. And they are just the most amazing things. (laughs) Those you have to have. (laughs) And the reason for that is that your little one is going to be kept entertained with their snacks and you don't want the spillages. So get, definitely get yourself a snack trap. It's a great idea. And into that snack trap, put all your healthy foods. So if it's pieces of biltong or if it's a mango strip, or, you know, little pieces of chopped up egg or or cheese, just things that they can eat on without a choking risk fairly independently. Obviously, you're going to be with them while they're eating, particularly if they're little. So snack traps and regular snacks are very, very important. And that's one of the things for travel is that you don't have to try and go according to meal times. You don't have to try and go according to snack times as you would if you were in a normal lifestyle routine. Just use your snacks 
to keep a little one entertained and have lots of different options, healthy options available that you can pop into that snack trap. The next thing you're going to want to have for a car or a flight is activities. And those need to be according to your baby's age. And, you know, the type of things that need to go into there are something that they can listen to. So something auditory. So that can be something like a a little video that they you'd pop on some earphones and keep them entertained with if they're on a flight or in the car that you can listen to on your, your radio. You would also want to have some baby songs in that, you know, loving songs. And then also some books. And so books is the second thing. So the first thing is auditory. Second thing is visual. Pop in the books. Very important. Have a couple of books in. If you're on a long distance car trip, one of you sitting in the back seat with your child, for sure, keeping them entertained and you'll get, you got to get your head around that. And then it's reading to them. And every now and then when they're bored, you know, pulling out a book. And then I always like having a fine motor activity and fine motor activities can keep little toddlers occupied forever. So a great fine motor activity is to take an empty herb jar that's got all the little holes in the top and take dry spaghetti, hard spaghetti, and put it inside the herb jar and then take the spaghetti out when they're bored and hand them the the spaghetti one piece at a time for them to post through the holes. You will not believe how long it will keep a toddler occupied. I'm so, like, I'm going to do that this afternoon. I'm not waiting for a trip. That's so yeah. clever. It's such <laughs> an easy thing and it's not messy. You know, other nice things to do are things like Play-Doh, but Play-Doh can get messy. You know, you're going to mm. end up with some Play-Doh and those beautiful leather seats on those upholstered air- airline seats. So that's why I love that activity because it's clean, it's neat, it's small. You can just pop it in the bag. So those are kind of the main directions you're going to go. Something auditory, something visual, and then something for fine motor skills. You know, there are lots of other activities you can get for fine motor skills, but that's where I'd start. Then in terms of car trips, surviving car trips, now you've got your kit that you're going to take. Next very important thing is clearly your car seat. And that's a non-negotiable. So I'm quite sure that um, for everybody we're speaking to on this podcast who are clearly enlightened parents because they're actually seeking out this type of information, a car seat is a non-negotiable. But I just want to reiterate it because, um, you know, there are times when your little one is screaming and crying and and you're at the end of your tether and you're on this long car trip and you are just so tempted to take them out. You have to pull over. You know, it's in that moment when you're traveling too Mm. fast or even at the speed limit when an accident can happen. So car seats are a non-negotiable. Also with car, with car trips specifically, and these, you know, because of the length of them, you've got to be able to take regular breaks and those should be spaced in between your baby's sleep. So um, as soon as your baby is woken up, you know, stopping as soon after that wake up time as possible, giving them a nice nappy change, give them a nice little run and then popping them back in the car. And so regular breaks. And that means that what was a seven hour trip is now suddenly going to be a nine hour trip and you've got to get your head around that. Just plan for it because it is going to be longer. Another nice idea with traveling in a car is to leave really, really early. And by this, I mean like three o'clock in the morning, because one of the most brilliant things is to pop them in the car. They fall asleep because it was just kind of almost like a night waking. And then because of the lull of the car, they'll usually overshoot their normal wake up time. So if they normally wake up at six, you'll probably find they'll do 7.30. And that just means you've you've hit like four and a half hours of this horrible car trip before they actually are awake. So that would be a good idea. So those are kind of the ideas around car trips and around, you know, the type of things that you can use for that. Then around flights, the kit remains the same other than the car seat. But the equipment I always recommend for a flight is a carrier. And I am an obsessive baby wearer. Um, I always, I wore all three of my children, actually my third child, well, until she was three years old, she would be popped into a carrier. But I'll never forget on a trip that I did, and she must have been about 11 weeks old. I actually flew my mum with me. I was I was asked to lecture at an event in Neisner. 
And I had flown with her. I asked my mum to come because I knew I'd be lecturing for full day events and I would just be stopping literally to breastfeed her through the day. But I had to fly with her. My mum was flying from Joburg. She met me in Neisner. I went PE and we drove down from to Neisner. I flew from Cape Town. And I had Emily in my baby carrier, which was the baby sense sling in those days. I owned mm-hmm. the company at the time. And I popped her in the sling and I walked through the airport with her in the sling. She had fallen asleep. She was very little, 11 weeks old. I climbed onto the plane with her asleep. And then, of course, she woke up on the flight and needed a feed. And I fed her on, on takeoff and on, on landing as well. And all I did was just um, pulled on my shirt while she was in the carrier and she fed. And there was a man sitting next to me. And as we landed, he looked at me and he said, huh? has there been a baby in there the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was really like that for her. She had her own cocoon. I didn't disrupt her day sleep routines. She could sleep on me. Her feeding could happen discreetly right up against me. Um, and so for me, a baby carrier is a must. You know, often we focus on taking prams. And I will talk a little bit about prams just now, but we do take focus on taking prams. But actually, in my mind, a baby carrier is is much more important than actually taking a pram because of the, of the ease of use while you're on a plane, for instance. And then you've also got your hands free, which is also so helpful. Even walking through an airport, you don't want to have to have to push a pram. It's already a stress yeah. with the trolley and everything. So that's exactly. a great tip. It's exactly. It's the hands-free kit. And of course, if you've got a toddler, you've got your hands-free for your toddler as well. So in mm. my head, it's a carrier. The current carrier that I always recommend is the Snuggle Roo carrier. It's just the most fabulous carrier. It's an upright carrier, but it's soft. It's like a wrap carrier. And it's, again, just something that your baby will fall asleep in, feed in. It's just a fabulous way to have mm. your baby on you. Good to know. This episode is brought to us by Parent Sense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that help you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. What do we do when it comes to our baby's sleep times and nap times? I would love airlines to have a look at our baby's schedules and go, yes, this is the flight that you can fly when your baby is napping. But unfortunately, the world doesn't work like that. So what can we do when it comes to sleep? Uh, What can we do to prevent overtiredness, especially with long layovers, delays, I think this is a big burning question. Yeah. So sleep and travel is a big burning question, you know, and, you know, I mentioned just now that, you know, you wanted to try and get as much sleep done while you were traveling, you know, that that's why you wake up really early and having your baby or using travel time as time when your baby sleeps is a good idea. So if you can schedule flights over baby sleep times, it is going to work out easier for you. So here's an example. If you're doing a, a flight, you know, from South Africa to Europe, a nighttime flight is actually going to be an easier flight for you to manage because your baby's going to be sleeping a lot of the time. And, and I'll, I can help with some strategies around getting them to sleep as well. But, you know, whereas that Amsterdam flight where you, you know, flying from Amsterdam to Cape Town is a daylight flight. And that can be a hellish flight with a, with a two-year-old, you know, because you've got to keep them occupied and you can't use sleep times as much. So I do believe in scheduling, trying to schedule your travel times around your child's sleeping time. So that is a good idea. You know, if you're going to do a flight as an 
example, from Johannesburg to Cape Town or, you know, from London to Paris, whatever it is, try and do it while your child is actually going to be sleeping. So, you know, they're going to go down at about 12 o'clock. You know that they get drowsy. Take them through the airport at that time. Maybe have them in the carrier, let them fall asleep and then actually sleep on you for the duration of that flight, for instance. So that would be, you know, a, a good idea to have them actually sleeping particularly if they're little babies. But as you've just mentioned, it just doesn't always happen like that. We just don't always get the sleep times right. And, you know, a classic example of of this is is when you're doing a a flight that takes off, let's say, at eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night, and your baby's bedtime is at 6.30 or 7 normally, and now they're overtired. And Mm -hmm. this overtiredness then revs them up further, they get busier and busier, and then they are more difficult to get to sleep. And that's how you often end up with these children on planes, these babies on planes who are crying incessantly because they're actually overtired. You are literally describing what we experienced. And I remember looking at my husband with the screaming 13-month-old going, is there a way to push a button to go, we'd like to get off. We can't actually go through with the rest <laughs> of this, this flight. I think if there was an eject button, we would have pressed it and missed out yeah. on our holiday. It's it's awful. Yeah. So in terms of nighttime sleeps, you know, if, if you are taking off well after little one's sleep time is due, like what you're talking about, and and they are overtired, so they've been awake for too long, there, there are two things you can do. The first one is give them a nap late afternoon, which maybe they don't normally have. So give them a nap. If you know your flight's taking off at 10 o'clock at night, let them have a nap on the way to the airport at five o'clock in the afternoon. Even though you don't normally do that, mm. let them have that sleep because you know that you're not going to have them going to sleep and they're going to be hugely disrupted b- between seven o'clock and 10 o'clock because that's your boarding time and you know whatever. So let them have a late afternoon nap, even though they don't normally have it. And that's particularly for, for kind of 18 months to two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old children. That would be perfect is giving them two sleeps instead of that one-day sleep in, that, in the day to prevent that overtiredness. And that would be one strategy. The other strategy with smaller babies is to put them in the carrier and get them to go to sleep while you pace the floor in the, in the departures hall to actually get them to sleep so that by the time you get onto the plane, they're actually already asleep. I mean, one of the biggest battles I've had in my my life, and I'll, I always lose it, but I still fight it. Is people take, telling me to take my baby out of the carrier for takeoff <gasps> and landing? I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> You're unleashing the monster. Leave it alone. But um, yeah, so I mean, you, in an ideal world, they'll fall asleep on you in the departures hall, and then you'll be able to hopefully have a very sympathetic air hostess who'll let them actually sleep on you for takeoff and landing. But let's say neither of those happen. And now you are landed with a 13-month-old who is wired, who will not fall asleep. It's now half past eight. You're boarding. You're only going to take off at 9.30. They're already ratty and tired. So one of the things you can do, and obviously one of the big things is just to keep them distracted for that period of time and just keep them entertained and just understand. And this is, you know, this is where mindfulness comes into it, Bailey, is understand that this is your journey for the moment. Like there is, there's no getting away from it. You've got to keep them calm and, and just- This too shall pass. This too shall mm-hmm. pass. Just get in yeah. with it. <laughs> and then get on the plane and give them a little bit of melatonin on takeoff. Now, melatonin is, is a, a neurotransmitter that naturally occurs in our brains and it's released in the absence of light when we want to fall asleep, when we're going to fall asleep. And it has been used very effectively for things like jet lag. And mm. it can be used safely and is FDA approved for children over two years old. But it is used, for instance, at Red Cross Children's Hospital with children who are younger. So it can be used with younger children. Now, it's not something that I would be recommending for every mom who's battling at bedtime to put their child into melatonin. But for the purposes of actually takeoff and landing, this is something that I do recommend, or takeoff in particular, this is something I do recommend. So that would be having your warm milky bottle ready, popping a little bit of melatonin inside of it, just half a capsule of the 
the powder should be enough. Um, you can also ask your pediatrician to recommend it. So you'll have to prescribe it potentially. You can get it over the counter in some countries. In other countries, you can't. Um, but getting a little bit of melatonin. And then at that point, like really just sitting very quietly with your little one on the plane with the melatonin going, maybe reading quietly to them until they eventually fall asleep. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's kind of the best strategy. Try not to jiggle them too much. Try not to pace too much. Just sitting quietly and gently is, is a good strategy once they've taken the melatonin. So those are the type of things that can help when it comes to, to sleep and travel. Fantastic. So Bailey, I mean, you and I both love travel. I know that you're no stranger to traveling with little ones. In fact, um, you recently actually moved homes between Greece and South Africa. I mean, you've you've done it twice and you've spoken about the fact that you had a hellish takeoff at 13, when your little one was 13 months old. Oh. And it must have been quite something. So yeah. how old were your boys when you were doing your immigrations backwards and forwards? So Alexi was 16 months old. George was three and a half years old. Not an easy journey at all because it was long flights, long layovers, different beds from various Airbnbs until we settled. And the one thing I will say is that our children are very, very resilient. In fact, kids in general are are very resilient. And we made it a big, exciting adventure, which actually helped us make it playful for ourselves. So when we were in stressful situations, we took on the role of, well, we're going to make it playful. And it actually calmed us as mom and dad. Mm. We tried to be, be as flexible as we could, but still keeping within the boundaries of routines. But mm. I know we'll get into routine a little bit later. But a huge difference between Alexi suddenly being a whole year older after 16 months, George suddenly being four and a half years old mm. when we moved, totally different flyers, totally yeah. different, more chilled, understanding what's coming. And I think the more you do it, the more they realize, oh, exciting, we're going on an airplane and we know, okay, there's going to be sleeping on the airplane. Lots of preparation, lots of letting them know what's going to actually happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm sure they took their doo-doo blankies and their little lovey toys and whatever it was that they normally use to get to sleep. Which we lost on one of the flights. Oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry, I brought up the war. Did we tell you? Oh, I could write the book on everything that could possibly go wrong in travel. I could write it. And I'm still here to tell the tale, which oh, is why I say... This too shall pass. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to lose that to do blankie. And actually on that, take two, whatever you do. Yes. Totally. Now I know routines are a big deal. Nothing can throw off a routine like traveling. And it doesn't matter how you're traveling, whether it's in a car for a long trip, on a plane, train, ferry, routines are easily abandoned when your surroundings are different. So let's talk about that because I know a lot of moms are very anxious when it comes to routine and that possibly going out is very upsetting. So what can we do? Yeah. So it's really interesting. You know, little ones are actually incredible with their routines and they will stick to their routine more than you give them credit for doing so. I know this firsthand with my two-year-old when we were traveling around the world, she did not miss her midday sleep one day in the hundred days that we were away. Notice in a hundred days, she took wow. her midday sleep. I'll never forget the one day we had actually flown from, we'd, we'd gone from Namibia. We just did this incredible one month trip, you know, camping around Namibia and literally took off from Vintok and landed in Johannesburg. And then our next point of landing was then New York City. So we literally had taken her across massive time zones and very dramatic cultural shift. I mean, everything was different, you know, and 
the first day we had arrived, we were then in, in Times Square and it was her midday sleep time. And I thought this is never going to work. I mean, <laughs> chances of her falling asleep in Times Square oh after you know, a month of being in, in this incredible routine. And as it turned out, of course, she just closed her eyes, turned over in her pram and went off to sleep. And that Amazing. was exactly what she did every single day of the trip. But I also prioritized it. So that particular day we were traveling, so she was in a pram. But there were other days, I can remember when we were in Nantucket um, in Boston, and I said to my husband, look, I'm just going to be holed up in the hotel room over lunchtime. And him and my son then had this amazing excursion around Nantucket Island, and I had to miss out on that. But that was because I knew that the most important thing in, in Alex's day was that she had her, her hour and a half sleep over midday. She was really, really loved her, her midday sleep sleeps. Mm. And so we never disrupted it. So I think it does become important that you you do sacrifice some things for that midday sleep in the toddler years. And on other days when you absolutely can't sacrifice it, like on the day when we had to do the trip into into Manhattan from Long Island, it's it's a very long trip. You don't just go in and out for the morning. She just had to do it in a, in a pram. But what was the fact was that we prepared her at that time for her sleep. We turned her on her side. We gave her his blankie. We gave her a little bit of milk. We covered the front over with a blanket. And then we went and walked through, you know, through Times Square. So I do think that you need to prioritize certain sleeps. And the two sleeps that are critically important to prioritize are the midday sleep and the nighttime sleep. And that's all the way from six months old. So from six months old, do your early morning sleep and your late afternoon sleep on the run. Do it. Make those sleeps fit in with your holiday. But that midday sleep and the evening sleep, try and do it really, really regularly in preferably the same sleep space, but at least the same time. And in that way, you'll be able to keep your child, your baby and your toddler, you know, in a happy mood and engaged and, and not completely losing it. So definitely holding on to key sleep times. The second piece of advice around routine on holiday, and this goes for younger babies, so this is for babies under nine months of age, is make sure you're watching those awake times. So same thing, when you land in New York City, for instance, or when you've crossed like five time zones, don't try and, I mean, you can't say, well, the flat the sleep's going to happen at nine o'clock in the morning because it's such a different time for them. But once they've woken up in the morning, then reset their day with the awake times. And the awake times are on the front page of the Baby Sense app, of, of the Parent Sense app. So when you have a look at the Parent Sense app, you'll see there how long the baby's awake time should be. And you've got to stick to that as you cross the time zones. If you enjoy my podcast, I would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you, The Honest Hour. Christina Mazurik is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way. She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour. This isn't so much of a question, but a story from a mum of three little girls under the age of six with another one on the way. She was traveling alone with her three little ones between Cape Town and Johannesburg. And she said on the way back, all three of her girls started feeling pressure in their ears. So can just picture this. All mm. three little girls were screaming 
at the same time, this high-pitched scream. I mean, you can just imagine the reaction from the yeah. other passengers. Mm. You and I are both sitting here cringing, mm. not because we're like, oh, shame the poor passengers, but because that poor mom, there is nothing worse than feeling like everybody is staring at you and you know passengers are going, can't they keep their children quiet? But this is what I found so amazing. She thought to herself, I don't care what anyone thinks. My kids are in pain. So the grumpy passengers will just have to deal with it. (laughs) Bravo. What a rock star mom. I love that story. And yes, we have all been on a flight to the baby that won't stop crying. And, you know, I think it's really, really hard on both sides. I mean, it is hard for the passengers who are sitting around, but actually, end of the day, that mom can do nothing about it. So I guess, you know, the message is whether you're a mom of of a baby who doesn't cry and are a passenger who's subjected to a crying baby, you need to just realize and have very high levels of empathy for that poor mom. And and I certainly do. My heart, when I get on those flights, mm. I look at the mom and I want to say to her, it doesn't matter what happens tonight. It's okay because we've all been there, you know, in fairness. So that attitude of, you know, everyone's just got to deal with it is probably the right attitude. You know, I think a couple of things. I think you can, again, you know, just try and watch that your baby doesn't become overtired before the flight. Giving them a nap before they get on the flight can help. Giving them the melatonin can help. I tell you what I think doesn't help and that a lot of parents do is actually giving your baby some some kind of um, stopane or, or, or something to help them to sleep, something a sedative. And the reason for that is that those very often have opposite effects when you're overtired. Mm. So your baby becomes more wired and more irritable. And so I've never used any type of painkiller to kind of I don't know, tranquilize, make my baby mm. drowsy on a flight because I, I think it can be really counterintuitive and it can it can go the opposite way quite easily. But something like melatonin can help. But yeah, it is, you know, I think a lot about parenting Bailey is about just understanding that what other people think is not important. It's about what your child is going through, what you're going through. Try and create an image of a bubble around yourself and your child and know that that's that's where your care should be sitting. That's who your concern should be with. The other people They've either been through it because they've been a baby or they've been through it because they've been a parent or they're going to be going through it sometime. And so they can just deal with it and, you know, kind of lump it. And you probably will never see them again. So and you'll never there see we go again. But <laughs> focusing on your baby would probably be yeah. my advice there. Yeah. But Bailey, it's just been such an awesome session to be able to chat with you and especially about something that's so close to my heart. And I, I really hope that this it has inspired parents to be able to actually go out there and travel. The message that I really want to carry to moms is that it's more important that you do spend that time connecting, which is what travel does, you know, for those few hours of of real hassle and and Mm. kind of irritation, it's all going to be worth it in the end. So definitely keep up with the travel and don't stop traveling and manage it, you know, with with, with these little practical tips. I think this is fantastic. And when I see anyone saying traveling with a baby and a toddler for the first time, anyone have tips? I know exactly where I'm sending. This link is going straight to their inbox. So thank you again, Meg, for all your amazing advice as always. That's brilliant, Bailey. It's been such great fun chatting with you. You and I are both seasoned travelers and love our travels. So mm-hmm. yeah, I hope the other moms jump on the bus. Awesome. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.